You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back again, everybody, to another week of the South End Zone podcast. I'm your host, Eric Mulher. I am joined yet again uh, by my seventh favorite world traveler in the world <laughs> that I know, Jason Bailey, how, back from Italy. How are you doing? Oh, man. It was a great trip. Good trip. Uh, I think I gained like 40 pounds eating all the pasta and the steak. And oh, man, 10 out of 10. Highly recommend uh, if you ever get a chance to go visit uh, the country of Italy. Fantastic. All right. Uh, also with us tonight, uh, we do have a special guest for the first half of the show. Uh, he's He's got some stuff brewing at work, and so we're only going to get him for a little bit. We're going to get as much, uh, as many answers out of him as we can in the first half of the show. Uh, he is the Alabama beat reporter for the Tuscaloosa News. He also uh, runs the Crimson Cover and Talking Tide podcast. His name is Chase Goodbread. Chase, how are you doing? Doing well, doing well. How are y'all? Uh, good. Uh, first off, obviously, pr- appreciate you taking the time. And I, I know you're speaking of time, you're kind of stretched for it. So I'm going to jump right in and it's hit you with our first question. Sure. Uh, Alabama football, the kind of the big news of this offseason has been replacing both coordinators, which is not a new phenomenon at Alabama that happens, you know, maybe not both at once, but they, Nick Saban has replaced plenty of coordinators. So we'll start with the offense. Bill O'Brien, he was there for two years. It didn't really seem like the offense was much of the problem for me as an outsider looking in. I mean, they averaged 41 points a game, but he wasn't necessarily loved uh, among Alabama fans. What is the feeling about moving from him to Tommy Reese? You know, the issue, I think, with the O'Brien offense, and you're right, at at the end of the day, that, that offense did score a lot of points on average. Absolutely lit it up into the 50s in some games that were runaways that probably skewed uh, that, that average sum. Uh, you know, it was an offense that relied heavily on Bryce Young, obviously at the quarterback position, a little too heavily at times, I think is the best way to put it. And look, the guy had won a Heisman Trophy the year before. So, of course, you put the offense in his hands. Um, but there wasn't quite the balance that uh, Alabama under Nick Saban is used to with the running game. Uh, they actually led the, the 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 running game actually led the SEC in yards per carry at about five and a half yards per carry, but they were only seventh in the league, which is middle of the pack in rushing yards per game. 
So it was more of an, an emphasis thing, maybe than an effectiveness thing. And, you know, it put a lot of pressure on Young. He was able to handle it. He, he, he was pretty outstanding. But at times it felt like it was it, there was a little too much on him. And, and Tommy Reese, obviously coming in from Notre Dame as the new offensive coordinator, a guy who likes the running game, likes his tight ends. It's going to be interesting to see uh, how he meshes with uh, the two young quarterbacks they've got vying for the job right now. Uh, but uh, it, definitely the sense is that Reese is going to come in and, and bring back a little more of the physicality uh, that, that uh, maybe was lost from last year. Yeah, so as a as someone who has watched um, Alabama, maybe not as much as Jason, but again, outsider, uh, it didn't seem like the last two seasons, the Alabama teams that I'm used to have seen you know, the last 15 years in terms of upfront play, particularly that maybe more so on the defense. So even though Pete Golding, his defense gave up 18 points per game, uh, just under 24 points per game in conference play. So, you know, we're, we're not skewing it too hard on like an FCS or a group of five team. But he, he was another guy that Alabama fans weren't particularly sad to see leave. So what should I expect from Kevin Steele? Because to me, looking at Alabama, it doesn't seem like a talent or a scheme thing. It's more of, uh, I guess, attitude maybe is the word. You know, me personally, I, I, I think it, I think it was a, uh, in part a talent thing. Uh, I, I don't think the defense last year on the whole as a group was as talented as, as some of the ones Saban's put out there in the past. And obviously, Will Anderson as a pass rusher is a, a complete exception to that. Brian Branch, who was really, really good at the star position, another complete exception to that. But one through 11 – they weren't as deep uh, this past year, talent-wise, as, as they have been in the past. So that's part of it. The, another big issue is uh, they really struggled with forcing turnovers. You know, they ended up with a, a few, but it wasn't a takeaway defense like a lot of them have been either. Those are the couple of the areas that, that Kevin Steele, I'm sure, is going to be looked on to, to straighten things up. And as you noted, probably wasn't as physical up front as it's been in, in, in the past either. It was easier to run the ball against Alabama this past season than any saving Alabama defense I, I, I can remember. Definitely a big task for, for both coordinators in a couple different ways. Yeah, and I only brought up you know defensively up front because I'm used to watching Alabama play football and trying to run the ball against them. Ordinarily, is like trying to eat soup with a fork, right? It's but you know teams were able to do it this year uh, and to a lesser extent last year. So defensively, in in terms of Kevin Steele coming in, because Jason and I have talked about this in previous shows, uh, kind of the defensive identity of Alabama, and, and we thought like Will Muschamp, for instance, was a guy that we thought they might look at and bring a little bit of that. Uh, attitude and aggression to the defense. Uh, is that something you think they're going to get with Kevin Steele? I do. I, I think he's a, he's a tone setter type of a coach. I, I think that's, that's something you can expect. He's a guy who's worked with Saban quite a bit before. Uh, he was his first offensive coordinator in 2000 when Saban first came in. He came back later on as a, as a linebackers coach very briefly. This is actually his third stint. Uh, working for Saban at Alabama. So there's a cohesion there between Saban and Steele that I think Saban knew 
hiring steel meant I'm not going to have to deal with much of any learning curve, right, uh, for this hire, uh, because Kevin Steele knows exactly what Nick Saban wants. And, you know, his style with the players is, is he, he's not so much a coach, a, a player's coach. He's not the kind of coach who wants to be all the player's best friend. You know, he, he he's more in that, that old school role where, you know, he'll, he'll, chew a guy out if necessary and and you know maybe kind of play more of a father type role but you know he he's um uh you'd expect him to hit the ground running basically with his with his background with Saban and you know the question again you know is 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 how they're going to be able to deal with the loss of Anderson and Branch and, and not just those two guys they lost most of the secondary uh, they they lost the, the middle linebacker Henry Toa Toa who handles the the line calls for the front seven. A lot of holes to fill for Kevin Steele. All right. So speaking of those player departures, that kind of leads into my next question. I was originally I was going to ask you about the starting quarterback, but we figured uh, Nick Saban's maybe the last guy on earth who's going to reveal who his starting quarterback is four months before the season. So we'll skip that. But. We, we did our postseason award show uh, about a month and a half ago, I guess, and one of our awards is the Conor McGregor Who the Fook is That Guy Award. Who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> and we give that award to a guy who kind of comes uh, from off the map, uh, makes a big impact, has a big year. No one really knows about. Uh, for instance, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee was our award winner this past season. Uh, a good pick. For, for context. So if I, and I asked this question of David Waters, uh, Gators breakdown, we had him on a couple of weeks ago, and I'll ask you the same thing. If you had to pick uh, who, you know, a candidate to be the Conor McGregor, who the fuck is that guy award winner for 2023 Alabama, who would be your guy? Yeah, that would be a good question. Uh, I think Isaiah Bond might be one to watch for. He's a young wide receiver with a lot of speed who got, some playing time last year, made a few catches in some SEC games, so it's not like he was just coming in in the fourth quarter of blowouts or anything. Didn't play a ton, but he made his way into the rotation enough to show you some flashes, and that's a position where Alabama is going to need some help, I think. Uh, so they, you know, they certainly, you know, they certainly didn't have the best year last year as a as a core. So, you know, Bond would I think definitely be one to watch for, and uh, you know, defensively. I, I think one you watch for is Chris Braswell. He's he's an outside linebacker who uh, can really get after the quarterback. Didn't play a ton last year because he was essentially the third most uh, experienced edge pass rusher they had behind Anderson and and Dallas Turner. Uh, but uh, he, he's a guy who could have a, a breakout year potentially. Bond is a freshman, right? Was he a true freshman? Yes. This past season? Yep, I, he was, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to Buford High School. They uh they they put some players out there. Um, so then overall outlook for 2023, because they are replacing a lot of guys, but one thing they always have is talent in reserve. So kind of talking best case for Alabama next year, obviously, is 15 and 0. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What what's their worst case scenario look like? Like what is their floor with all these replacements at key positions? It's like poison. You know what I mean? It's like taking poison. Like rat poison. You know that's a great question. Uh, the floor at Alabama is: do you do you get to the SEC championship or not? I mean, <laughs> that's kind of what the that's what kind of what it's become. Um, it, it, it's almost it, it's it's kind of a failure of a season. At least with the fan mindset, it, it seems to be a, a, a failure of a season if they don't at least reach a conference championship game. 
So, you know, with that in mind, the quarterback situation is going to play a big role. Obviously, they got to figure out if it's going to be Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson, um, two very different style guys who, who bring different things. Milrow, um, probably one of the best four or five athletes on the entire roster, uh, just a phenomenal athlete uh, who doesn't have a lot of experience uh, in game action, obviously, as a passer. Uh, but I think whether or not they end up on the floor or the ceiling is going to have a whole lot to do with how Tommy Reese is able to bring along whoever they choose uh, as a starter at that position. Hmm. All right. Uh, well, with that, I think, uh, Jason, unless you have any other questions, we can, uh, I mean, we're no, doing okay yeah, for time. I, yeah, we're, we're good. I, the only question that I had uh, for you, Chase, is kind of, we touched on it, Eric, you know, said we're going to skip over it. I, I more just want to sort of get your take on the quarterback battle with, you know, what are you hearing in the Tuscaloosa news circles, the all the, you know, the beat writer circles that you're in about the quarterback battle? Because to me, the fan consensus seems to be leaning more towards like Ty Simpson is who people would rather see, maybe sort of similar to that Mac Jones mold, you know, like we had, but maybe a little bit more athletic. But me personally, I would love to see Milro get the job because, like you said, he's just a freakish athlete. And he's a guy that you have to account for his legs. And so if they could develop him a little bit as a passer, then I feel like he, I mean, this dude, he could be the Conor McGregor Who the Fook Is That Guy Award winner for the season because, and I mean, Ty Simpson arguably could too. But what are you hearing in those circles? What do you think the, I guess, the preferred you know, starter would be. Uh, what do the tea leaves say? Yeah, yeah. What right. are, What do the tea leaves say? Good call. Thank you. Eric. Yeah, the 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 tea leaves I'm hearing is that last season really didn't do much of anything to put one especially far ahead of the other, and so the mindset with the coaching staff, especially with a, a new offensive coordinator coming in, is that spring practice, which just opened up a, a few hours ago, had their first practice. That's really like the gate flying open in this horse race with both from both stalls. And Nick Saban's got a history of waiting until the very end of fall camp or even Monday of game week before the first game, before he'll even announce who his starting quarterback is. I don't expect – there's no – I don't think there's any way we'll hear Saban definitively say this guy or that guy has won the job at the end of spring practice. He's never done that before. No. Uh, but – I, I don't see it as as a, as a battle that's uh, already handicapped, at least not from the coaching staff standpoint. Now, from the fan standpoint, you know, you mentioned uh, some sentiment for Simpson. I think that probably stems from um, some ball security issues that Milrow had against Texas A&M. That was the one chance he got to start a game. That was a very tight game. He also threw three touchdown passes in that game. Um, and that accounted for every touchdown Alabama scored, and they won the football game. So there's that. Uh, but definitely, um, th- there was some a little bit of head scratching in the fan base about about uh, ball security with Milro. All right. Well, I think that's all we got for uh, for him, uh, Eric. If you want to let Chase get out of here, man, we'll blast on into the break. Yeah, we can we can hit the break. Uh Chase, obviously we'll let you get back to it. I know you're you're busy dual hatting it. You're you're probably even covering covering the basketball team of the tournament, I would imagine. So driving driving to Louisville Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Busy, busy season for you, man. Spring practice, uh the tide looking yeah. to maybe make the final four. Let's go. 
So. Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate it. I apologize that we're having to cut this short and I apologize for this terrible lighting. I'm, I'm working with a uh, an interior light in my uh, vehicle uh, for lighting here, but uh, I, I made it in at least at least uh, at least the audio is clean, hopefully. Hey, man, no sweat, yeah. no sweat at all. Like we don't even record the video because we're way too ugly. So it's just audio <laughs> on our end. So you're good. You don't have to worry about the bad lighting. But uh, Chase, we very much appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on and uh, we'll let you get back to it. But uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Chase. All right. Yep. See you. All right, guys, we know March Madness is underway. And the action's just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bet if your team wins. And you can combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays, odds, and odds boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check out DraftKings Sportsbook every day to see what they have in store. Now, my final four bracket is still intact, shockingly. I had Bama, Houston, Kansas State, and Gonzaga in the top four. So hopefully it sticks around. Most people's brackets are busted, but hopefully yours is not yet. But if it is, you can still get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook. And to do that, you got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the promo code TPPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame money line bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply, so check out our show notes for those details. Jason, uh, back from the break and first half of the episode with Chase Goodbread. Uh, we forgot to mention it while he was on, but you can find him on Twitter uh, at Chase Goodbread, all one word. No, no number, no underscore, no symbol, just at Chase Goodbread. Uh, talking all sorts, uh, everything Alabama, basically. So, uh, Jason, we kind of hit the highlights with Chase. Uh, coaching changes, quarterback play. And uh, anyone who might be kind of coming out of the woodwork and making an impact for the 2023 Crimson Tide. So we talked about it here and there. And I know just to get your thoughts real quick, because I didn't think to ask him of the two coordinator hires that Nick Saban made, which one do you think was more important for him to get right? Like which one is going to be the the bigger deal? Well, given all... (laughs) You know, and I know we've talked about this a little bit uh, off channel, but I think Tommy Reese coming in because we've talked about the identity crisis uh, aspect of Alabama. You know, I mean, we even mentioned that there with Chase where kind of a little bit less hard nosed, a little bit less like kick your ass mentality seems like just a little soft. And Tommy Reese coming in with a, you know, run first mentality use the tight ends, use the play action pass. It's kind of like a throwback to Alabama football. And I think that's really good, but while still maintaining an offense that can still put 40 points a game up is is something which is pretty much what you need to do these days if you want to win. So I, I, I kind of agree with Chase on the talent aspect on defense. Like we weren't very deep, like outside of like Dallas Turner and Will Anderson, 
it really wasn't all that deep, man. Like uh, Henry Toho Toho, I mean, he's like, you know, okay, g- good signal caller. But the dude, I, I never looked at him as like a, like a good example would be like a Dante Hightower in the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not like a bulldog who can just like take over a game and stop the run. Run yeah, I, I look at him line. as being like, I think he was a solid player for them for two years when he came over from Tennessee, but he didn't like make me think that yeah he was different between like them being a great defense and them being an average defense yeah i would i would agree with that so i mean talent wise we'll see <laughs> i just this this is one of those years man i think a large part of it depends on what the rest of the sec is going to do you know and it's kind of scary i guess if you're an alabama fan because you're losing all this production and you're losing your quarterback yeah yeah like we didn't even talk about like who's going to replace jameer gibbs right i mean jace mcclellan is back so he should be the starting running back and they've got you know a couple of dudes behind him and they've also got a big time freshman uh justice haynes coming in out of the state of georgia who is Mm -hmm. a big freakish animal i'm sure you know about him so he's, he's a buford guy well kind of a buford guy too yeah so they they've got some work to do like uh chase said but ultimately man like I said, I've, I've kind of it's worrisome because the rest of the SEC is getting better. It seems like, especially like LSU and Tennessee, <laughs> but and, and Auburn seems to be serious about improving. But they do right. have a ways to go. Yeah, and they go and they get Hugh Freeze and all that good stuff. So, I mean, from my like fan, if I've got the fan goggles on here for a minute, I'm kind of excited. You know, Bill O'Brien's gone. We're kind of obviously trying to get back to that run first, you know, kick your ass mentality. And to me, that's exciting. I would love to see Milrow get the nod and use his legs kind of like Jalen Hurts did back in the day. You know, nobody ever lauded Jalen Hurts as a great passer in college. Okay. That never happened. He threw like 57% completion in college, at least at Bama. His numbers were better at Oklahoma because he's playing against big 12 defenses. But now the dude's, you know, like in the Super Bowl. So I don't want to hear that, you know, oh, well, Milrow can't get it done because he's not a great passer. Well, <laughs> talk to Jalen Hurts. The dude just played in the Super Bowl. So I that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Ty Simpson, I understand he's got a, you know, pretty lethal arm and he's pretty athletic. And like I said, kind of in that Mac Jones mold, but maybe a little bit more able to utilize his legs. But man, just I I think Chase pretty much hit it right on the head, man. We're not going to know maybe until week three. Who knows? Oh, you you think he'll do the the Harbaugh thing? I mean, they have Texas week two, so he can't do the you got to start, you got to start against you know some shitbag teams, and you know they're going to have to decide before the season opens. Yeah, they do have Texas week two, and they should be better. But Texas may be dealing with a quarterback battle of their own. Oh, they could, but I'm saying, you know, you're not playing Hawaii and Akron. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a fan of taking competitions into the season, to be clear. Yeah. I mean, I'm not either. I I would think if it was me. Yeah. um, If it's me, I would just fucking handle it. Yeah. I would want to know as soon as I could so that that guy gets the first team reps, especially if it's a new quarterback. Uh, But that's just me. Well, you're not wrong. And I guess final thoughts on some of his comments. I agree with the defensive talent standpoint. I think they're going to have to get deeper there. And they did just sign the number one class in the nation. So that should help them quite a bit. But 
something else that I think it's not really pointed out all that often, but I've seen it get exposed, and that's the offensive line. This is not your daddy's Alabama offensive line in the early Saban years where they just had just absolute creatures. First rounder after first rounder. Yes. And now, you know, it's not really like that. Like, you know, once every two, three years, they'll have a first round draft pick like a Jonah Williams or whoever. Name a player. Yeah. Evan Neal last year. I don't think they're going to have one this year, right? Like who's no, who from that offensive line is even right. I mean, I guess it tells you all you need to know. (laughs) Yeah. I can't name them. I mean, that's, that's kind of where we're at. So, you know, a lot of people can sit there and say, eh, well, Alabama's fallen off. Maybe, maybe a little bit, you know, hey, man, even the Roman Empire fell eventually. But <laughs> the, the way I look at it, they're going to have to improve on the offensive line. They're going to have to, and maybe the scheme fixes some of that. Maybe Tommy Reese fixes it. But ultimately... I don't have the rose-colored glasses on, man. I mean, there's no question we could lose a couple of games this year. It's a fucking grind in the SEC, dude. And like I say, Brian Kelly getting a little better. Texas A&M, maybe they won't be a complete shitstorm now that Petrino's in town and he knows how to run an offense. Uh, there's just – I think uh, yeah, Alabama's – Yeah, like, I mean, if you ever you know want to avoid a shitstorm, get Bobby Petrino in town. That's the <laughs> That's who I go to. He's my – well, yeah, on the field. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, you got to clarify with that. Yeah. My apologies. Yes. Um, you know, as long as we don't, he doesn't show up wearing a neck brace, we're good. But I don't know, man. I, I just think it's going to be one of those years for Bama where we have no fucking idea what's going to happen. I mean, I honestly, am, I sit here in front of you today. I have no clue how good they're going to be. Like, it would not shock me if they went 9-3 and three or 12-0. and 0. Like and just I, I have to look at how the spring shakes out, what the quarterback situation looks like, who's going to be carrying the rock, what the offensive play calling looks like. I just miss the heavy package. I just want yeah. the heavy package back. If they don't do anything else this year, I want to see a defensive tackle run the ball. God damn it. <laughs> they went six and six, but man, <laughs> <laughs> the heavy package was awesome. Oh, man. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think Chase uh, pretty much hammered most of that, but yeah. Yeah. We'll One thing I, I, if we had more time, I would have gotten his take on because he has in the past written for NFL.com, uh, particularly mm-hmm. focusing on draft prospects because he's sort of bridged that gap from college to the NFL. Oh, yeah. And we've talked about it a little bit more in the group chat than on air, but um, kind of get his thoughts on Bryce Young. Because we we talked about Anthony Richardson a couple couple weeks back with hey what's kind of what's his floor what's his ceiling and you know Bryce Young has very different concerns but sort of uh, a similar situation where there are going to be teams who obviously are turned off by his size he is he is an extreme outlier size wise in terms of height and weight but he's also got thirty games of pretty elite film against top college competition uh, in his back pocket for teams to look at. So it's sort of a depends on who's picking where, right? Well, dude, and this is not a Homer take. Okay. Like if this guy played for Stanford, I'd be saying the same thing. Okay. Anybody who would pass on Bryce young due to his size, that just blows my mind. Like, like I point back to what, um, a couple of weeks ago, what coach Hidalgo said, 
Like game tape trumps everything. Like turn mm-hmm. on the fucking film and watch that guy work. <laughs> like right. Well, just, I don't think he just the doesn't. size concerns him in terms of can he perform? Yeah. Can he play? Can he be successful? I think the size worries them is like, is he going to be able to stay on the field without getting murdered by these dudes? Well, I mean, he plays in the SEC. I mean, it's not like he's been playing, you know, one double A football. He's been playing in the SEC and he only missed one game because, and it wasn't even like a, it, it was kind of, he just landed funny. It, it was, it was like a freak kind of, he was like running and got hit on his way out of bounds and just kind of landed funny on his arm and kind of messed up his shoulder a little bit. So just one of those freak kind of injuries. And he was back a week later and threw for 350 yards, you know, so he's pretty durable for his size. I mean, I I don't know what else as an NFL team you would need to see if in two years he misses one game and he's playing against the top competition in the country, including Georgia, you know, twice. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't see it. If I'm looking for a quarterback, that's my dude personally. Now, would I take him number one overall? I personally wouldn't. If I was the Bears, I would have taken Will Anderson and laughed all the way to the bank. Oh, but, I was I was so happy they traded that pick. I mean, that was my worst fear is that they stay that the Bears because I'm a Vikings fan, right? Oh so yeah. The last thing I wanted was for them to stay at one and draft Will Anderson. Yeah, that would not not have been good for you. So I I don't know who's going to end up getting him, but man, like the Bears, they did get a haul from the Panthers uh, for that number one pick. You know, they got two first rounders, a second rounder, and I think a third next year. So um, yeah, and and a starting wide receiver. uh, Yeah, and DJ Moore, good call, a proven number one wideout in the NFL. So you know, it's a big haul. I. And they arguably at nine could still get a pretty decent quarterback if they're not sold on Justin Fields. But to me, dude, like the Colts or you know any of the other quarterback needy teams, the Texans, if those dudes both pass on Bryce Young for any reason, I I, I don't really understand it. That's beyond my capability of understanding because he's a good kid, makes all the right you know moves and says the right things and does the right things and. Fucking game tape's just elite, man. So what I mean, what else do you want out of an NFL prospect? If your only knock is can he stay on the field? Well, he's done it to this point. So So of the Alabama players entering the draft, which one do you think has the best chance to kind of be, you know, when it's all said and done, people look back and say that that guy was really under underdrafted. Like he should have gone way earlier than he did. If and, Will and Anderson really- doesn't go one, it'll be him. <laughs> like, well, I was, aside from him, man, I, I think Branch. I think Branch. I, I think Branch know, is a guy who could be a, a like a, a an eight year starter in the league, and people go because he's looking at probably early second from a lot of what I've read. Yeah, and that's kind of what I I look at Branch as like a less talented version of Eddie Jackson. Like you remember when Eddie Jackson got injured in his last year at Bama and. He ended up going later on, like second or third round, I think. And now look at him. He's like one of the best safeties in the league for the Bears. And it's like, damn, man, we shouldn't have passed on him because that injury, we should have taken him in the fucking first round in the top 10. He's a beast, you know. And I don't know that Branch is that good, but yeah, if he ends up going like mid-second round, and ends up making a Pro Bowl in three years, you're going to go, fuck, man. <laughs> we shouldn't have passed on him. So, yeah, I just, he's always, in any of the Alabama games I've watched the last couple of years, I've never like looked and said, oh, man, Branch should have made that play, but didn't. 
Yeah, I mean, he's the type of dude. He's always around the ball. You know, he's always going to be in the mix to make a tackle. He He's one of those kids that kind of plays with an attitude like we talk about, like we like. So, but there again, you know, you never know. The, the one thing that doesn't really get talked about a whole lot with dudes coming out for the draft from Bama is like how they change and adapt once they're out of the Alabama program and the uh, first dude that I can point to in this instance is like Rolando McLean. You remember that guy got recruited by Shula and yep. played for Saban for two years and then got drafted and just f- went off the deep end, dude. And another one that you could point to is Henry Ruggs, you know, who's in jail right now because made poor decisions once he got outside of that, you know, sort of tight, Alabama program that keeps you on your toes and makes you do all the right shit. So I don't know how some of these kids will react once they get on these NFL teams and they get those millions. It'll yeah, just be they'll have a lot of money in their pocket and no one, no one telling them what not to do. Well, and they don't have somebody constantly riding their ass all yeah. the time, you know? So uh, okay. I think aside from branch and uh, Anderson and young to me, most of the rest of those dudes that are going to be drafted, it's like positional need, you know, is it, does he check all our boxes, but I don't see anybody else of that group. That's really going to be like instant impact guy. Mm. All right. Uh, last topic. And I, dang it. I should have tried to sneak this in when Chase was on. Cause I, I would kind of be interested to hear his thoughts. So this is a question I saw posed on Twitter a couple of weeks back. And I don't know that I personally have an answer for it, but I would tell you that uh, if you had asked me this question 15 months ago, I would have laughed at you and said, that's, that's the most <laughs> absurd shit I've ever heard. Like, what, why is that even, uh, you know, are you even contemplating that? And I think if you ask me that today, I have to at least stop and think about it. And that question is, has Nick Saban won his final national title at Alabama already? So if you'd asked me this like the day after the the championship game lost to Georgia, I would have said, you're absolutely nuts. Like, why would you even entertain this thought? But now I kind of look at the landscape, particularly in the conference. You know, the guy's 71 years old. You don't know how much he's got left in the tank. And it at least is a valid question. I think it is a valid question, no doubt. You, and mainly because of the... Like like I talked about earlier with the rest of the SEC getting better and Georgia now becoming a juggernaut. And even though they're changing out quarterbacks, I don't think they're going to take a step back. I think either Carson Beck or Brock Vandergriff will be just fine, if not better, than Stetson Bennett. Uh, and, you know, who knows how Mike Bobo is going to work out. But we know LSU is getting better. We know Texas A&M now has someone who knows how to run an offense. So with as much as Bama has to replace initially right now, We'll see, but you, at this point, it's kind of like I say, you hope it sort of reverts back and this number one recruiting class that they brought in is because I feel like they've either missed on some players or they just wasted some players. Does that make sense? Like, it does because still- I've, I've thought all year that in, in some cases they've, you know, I remember looking maybe two-thirds of the way, like seven, eight games into the season mm-hmm. and just looking up previous recruiting rankings and just tabulating. And they have they have like 11 four- and five-star offensive linemen on their roster. Right? Yeah, and yet they're but they don't getting, they don't play like they have yeah. a two-deep full of blue chippers. 
So I, I don't know what to really point to there. If it's coordinator changeover, which is a you know massive problem at Bama, they lose so many coaches because people just poach them and turn them into head coaches and coordinators and ha- what have you. But I, I think they've either just wasted some talent or they've missed on some talent. And I don't really know which one that is, but I feel like if they hit on this recruiting class that they just got, then there's no reason to think that they won't still be in the mix. I feel like as long as Saban is there, they'll be in the mix every year. Mm-hmm. But I mean, let's just be realistic. Winning a national title is fucking hard. And yeah, I mean, I, I feel like as long, like you're saying, as long as he's there, they're gonna they're gonna have their their shot. Like, yeah, no one's gonna go yeah. into a season saying oh, Alabama has no prayer to. Like even two years ago, when when they were they lost all the guys off that. 2020 team that just curb stomped everyone and that was supposed to be kind of their quote-unquote rebuilding year because they didn't know what they had at quarterback they didn't know what they had here they didn't you know mm-hmm. and then they lead in the fourth quarter of the national title game yeah so you know again it's you know i just said you're crazy but now he's you know he's a year older you know tennessee made a big jump in year two uh lsu like you're talking about who knows what auburn's gonna look like georgia looks like they're only getting better and better so it's it at least worth thinking about because he's under contract through i think like 2027 or 28 yeah yeah he'll i mean who knows how soon or how late he'll bow out i don't have a a finger on the pulse of how soon he'll bow out but he's still in great health for his age it's not Mm -hmm. like he's you know having to go to the hospital all the time because he's not in good health i mean i i feel like he'll do it for a few more years as long as he's still enjoying it now the thing that I think about with Saban is how long is he going to similar to in the similar to Dabo vein, how long is he going to want to stick around if this is going to become like a mini NFL, you know, with the NIL and the transfer portal and if yeah. they move away from the NCAA and you know start paying players contracts and stuff like that. I that right there to me would be like the final nail in the coffin for Saban. Like I'm out. Yeah. I can't imagine. He, I mean, that cause I think that's going to take longer for the powers that be to sort out than he's got left coaching. Mm-hmm. Really? I mean, it's, uh, it doesn't seem like there's an end in sight. So no. yeah. And I don't, I, I'm not saying like, Oh, I can't physically do it anymore. Or I, how I do things is outdated and now we just suck. It's just, I think he's more likely than anything to just, kind of lose the the passion for it and just be like, you know, I'm I'm sort of done with it. You know, I yeah when he signed the contract extension, I'm I'm sure he fully 100 percent intended to coach it out. But you know, circumstances change and minds change. So um, you know, maybe he finishes it out and go, and keeps going. Uh maybe maybe he doesn't. Well, one thing I do know about that guy is he's a competitor, man. He don't want to, you know, he don't want to quit and go out not on top. I feel like if he wins another national title, he'll fucking hang it up afterwards. Like, like okay, oh, we win one more. That's it. Let's hang it up, man. Let's go out on top. Yeah. So, I mean, because if you look at it from the standpoint of, okay, he's got five years left on his contract. Can he win one in five years? Yeah, sure. I don't, can't, I yeah. can't name one good reason to think that that's not, uh, possible or even a reasonable expectation. Yeah, but, I completely agree there. That's, I mean, five years, number one recruiting class they just got. They're going to bring in another highly touted class next year. 
They've got yeah. some new coaches now. Maybe Reese sticks around two, three seasons, builds him a resume, and they turn right back into a juggernaut because that's one of those things. They're they're kind of just like Georgia, you know, after last year. It's like they show up in week one and they remind everybody, like, no, we're still the fucking best. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And Alabama's kind of the same way and has been in the past, man, where they'll catch like a two or three year championship drought. And then they'll show up in week two, three, and you're like, fuck, these guys are good, man. So hopefully that happens. But, dude, I, I watched a clip of uh, – I can't remember if it was Dennis Dodd or who it was. I don't remember. But somebody was talking about whoever it is that runs that SP Plus for ESPN, I think, and that – like a, that um, The power rating? Yeah, the yeah. power rankings. Yeah, and that ties in returning talent. Mm-hmm. And Alabama was like number 123 in the nation for returning production. Like they're losing almost all their production. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at it because that's that's something we've talked about when we do like team previews. Yeah. You know, in the in the preseason was like, uh, you know, percentage of receiving yards returning is a huge indicator on whether a quarterback is going to progress or just kind of tread water. Or in some cases, like uh, Jake Fromm, at Georgia was a an obvious example where a lot of people watched him his his third year like God this guy's this guy's regressed he's he's worse than he was when he was a freshman he was a, he was better then like what happened well I'll tell you what happened all his good receivers left like eighty three percent of his receiving yards took off right they're gone and oh, yeah you know that's gonna well and people forget too it's like everybody has this giant expectation and Alabama fans dude like. <laughs> You know, I love you guys. You're my friends. It's like people forget that he's only had like two undefeated seasons ever, like 2009 and 2020. And that's it. Like they lose a game or games every other year. I mean, it's like you can almost bet. I mean, if you're a betting person, which we are, would you bet on Alabama losing at least one game a year? Well, let's see. In the Saban era, they've lost at least one per year, all but two seasons. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. They're probably going to lose a game or two. It's the SEC. It's fucking tough, man. So the the talk of, ah, well, he's falling off. He's, you know, okay. If you want to make that argument, fine. But, you know, when Alabama comes to your house and beats your team 49 to 7, it's like, well, they don't look like they're falling off to me. So, yeah. And I don't know that anyone's thinking he's falling off. It's just a matter of people maybe catching up. Yeah. I mean, that, a lot of people look at it. Well, and you know, you wonder what kind of what's even that out. I mean, aside from Georgia, like take away the Georgia aspect of it. I mean, we know what's evened out things in Georgia. Kirby Smart. I mean, the dude coached under Saban for a decade. He's an elite coach. So aside from Georgia, I really don't think it's really all that even across the board. I mean, Tennessee, yeah, they caught lightning in a bottle this year with Hinton Hooker, and we'll see if they can do it again. You know, LSU, Alabama kind of pissed that game away. You know, made some bad decisions, had 15 penalties. Hell, they had 17 in the Tennessee game. But there's no one on earth, in my opinion, other than apparently the college football committee, who legitimately thought TCU was a better team than Alabama at the end of this season. Like talent-wise, roster-wise, you want to argue most deserving, I'll listen to that. But the dude is still fielding one of the top five teams in the country Mm -hmm. as far as roster talent, as far as the ability to go and play against the best and win. That's just, that's where I'm at on Saban. So the naysayers, I say, hate all you want, man. Well, unless you had anything else Crimson Tide to talk about tonight, I think we can wrap it up. 
No, man, I'm good. Uh, my my bracket is all still intact, and I did go the huge homer route and took Bama to win the title over Houston. My final four, let's see, I've got Alabama, Houston, Gonzaga, and Kansas State. And they're all still in unless they've one of them's been beat in the last hour. <laughs> so. Well, you never know. I don't I, I had ESPN on in the background when my kids came home from school and my son, who is the basketball nut, was kind of watching and he's like, Hey, who do you think's gonna win? March Madness. I was like, I have no clue. <laughs> I've watched one half of college basketball in the last probably three years. And that hey, was that listen, was two days ago. Listen, it's I, I'm right there in the same boat. Like I've never, you've known me for God, what, 20 years, pushing 20 years now. Like I have never been a college football guy, or basketball guy, but it's like Bama is all of a sudden really good. Yeah, I'm like, very good. should I cheer for them? Would I be considered a huge poser? Or is it like a fair weather fan? I don't know how to react to that. So I just kind of watch it nonchalantly. And even though it excites me, I'm just like, I don't really care, <laughs> you know, because I don't want to be looked at like a huge poser, a fair weather fan. So, yeah, I, don't know, he, he asked who I thought it was going to win. And I just kind of like threw something against the wall. And I was like, oh, I don't know, probably Houston. Yeah, like, I, I think they're a one or a two seed. And then he he gives me the spiel about how, well, they lost this game to that team. And then I was like, listen, dude, like <laughs> I, I answered your question just to be a good dad. <laughs> but but I don't want to jump down the rabbit hole with you because I'm going to get smoked. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I'm I'm ready for it to be over. I'm ready for baseball. Had my fantasy baseball draft yesterday. It was a disaster. Did not go. <laughs> did not go like I thought it was going to go. So uh, maybe a long season, but I'm ready for baseball and uh, ready for some spring football action. So yeah, did you load up on guys from the Rockies? Uh God, I did get Chris Bryant on my fantasy team. And I don't know that I'm all that excited about it. And he, mm. he burned me last year and I figured I'd give him one more shot, but well, we'll see what happens. But hopefully it's uh, a late round, but yeah. yeah. So on, on that <laughs> note, uh, the Colorado Rockies, uh, I think, I think we'll call it a night and you guys can check us out at South end zone pod on Twitter. Uh, we'll be back next week. We are scheduled to have uh, Josh Newman from the Salt Lake Tribune. And we're going to be talking Utah Utes football. Which is up in the air still, by the way. So we'll see. Yeah, maybe. And if not, we'll just put some shit together, man, because, you know, we'll, I don't know. We'll just figure it out. Yeah, we'll, we'll be back next week in some form or fashion. <laughs> uh, and maybe we'll have uh, Josh Newman on. Maybe it'll be someone else. Maybe it'll be nobody. The, the suspense already is killing me. So, <laughs> uh, so tune in next week and you'll find out for yourself. Everybody stay safe and take it easy. Later! Thank you very much. Have a great day.